Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. Hey there. So today is a very special day, and I am so excited to be here with Cindy Healy, who is Director of Employee Onboarding with Microsoft's Worldwide Learning. Cindy, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to be here. My pleasure. Great to be here. Yeah, so I am really interested, before you start dropping some golden nuggets of wisdom like we talked about before we went live, I really want to hear a little bit about your story because really understand what inspired you to get to where you are because you started from, you know, you you were not surrounded by people who have achieved your level of success. So I want to understand where you started and what really inspired you to really dream big and go for it? Oh my gosh, well, a lot of it is very happenstance, but but I, I believe that things happen for a reason. So I love sharing my story. Um, so I grew up in Southern California and a child of two parents who married each other right out of high school, didn't go to college, started working right away, started having a family right away. And so the expectations for me growing up as a young girl in the 70s, were just, they weren't great. It was kind of like, uh, there was, even though I was a really good student and made good grades and loved school, I just didn't have those conversations about college. That just wasn't on my parents' radar at all. And, you know, you know not to any fault of theirs, but just, it, it just wasn't part of their world, right? And so, uh, the, the in fact, the career advice that I did get was, hey, you better get in that kitchen and learn how to cook because you're gonna be somebody's wife someday. And hey, not that I didn't want to be somebody's wife someday or that that isn't super valuable, but I just had this thing, uh, this idea thinking that I could do more. In fact, I used to love to watch the Mary Tyler Moore show, which you might remember. right? Yeah. But, and that was an example, an example of a career woman. And I always thought, oh, I want to go into an office and have a professional career like she did. And what does that look like and how would that look like for me and that was just the ideal that i had in my mind of that maybe i maybe i could do more but i had no idea how to make it happen and so um when i graduated from high school i really didn't have a plan some of my friends were going off to college but a lot of them weren't my high school had an abysmal graduation rate where almost a third of people didn't graduate from high school so uh I did what a lot of other people did was I got a job at one of the local amusement parks. I worked at Knott's Berry Farm and I got a job in the Buffalo Nickel Arcade um, as a change girl. Right. And uh, I and I also enrolled in the local junior, uh, junior college, which was like the 13th grade at the time. Right. And that's just where people went when they didn't know what they were doing, but they didn't want to completely give up. And so I was working at this change booth one day at Knott's Berry Farm. And uh, I loved working in the change booth because you got to make announcements over the loudspeaker and you got to sit down all day. So that was right up my alley. And my lead, who was just a few years older than me, this gal named Helen, she comes over to me and she's asked me if I need any change. But at the same time, she says, uh, hey, do you know why you get to sit in the change booth all the time? Because it was either like the change booth was the coveted spot. Otherwise, you had to walk the floor and hand out change and carry this big, heavy apron. And I was like, no, why? And she said, because your change count is always accurate. And I was like, how hard is that? It's just counting. But she said, oh, you'd be surprised. Like other people struggled with it. And then she said, are you good at math? And I said, 
uh, yeah, I'm good at math. I'm not afraid of math. I'm not one of those people that hates math. And she says, if you're good at math, you should enroll in a university and you should major in computer science. And it's a great field there. It's a growing field. They need women and starting salaries are $25,000 a year. So I was like, $25,000. Um, I was making $2.20 an hour at Knott's Berry Farm and I had no career plan. So anything that would get me on a trajectory to 25,000 seemed like a really good idea. So I figured out how to enroll in a local university and math into computer science and, and the, you know, the rest is history, right? But that's, that was how I got started. And, um, I am so thankful that she, she caught me being good at something. And, um, that has been, a changed the trajectory of my entire life. Yeah. And I want to take a pause on that for a moment because I think that's really important now. I mean, what do you think about now, you know, in the position that you're in, but also whether it's in Microsoft or another company of really seeking out people and not just waiting for someone to ask you to like sponsor someone. Or I remember I kind of have a similar story, but I remember going out to eat with my dad and whenever we were at a restaurant and someone was very, very good at their job. They were very attentive, really good customer service. They were totally on it. My dad would be thinking on the fly, you know, who do I know that needs some help? This person is amazing. So he would either hire her or say, hey, I have three people I want you to talk to because you're amazing. And so I just think that that story is very relevant even now in corporate so we can really like heighten our level of awareness, think on the fly and always be kind of scanning and being aware of people that we can say, hey, you know, have you ever thought about this? And, you know, I know that you're also a certified coach, you know, putting on our coach's hat, it might just not be recommending it, especially for women, because, you know, women, we women mm -hmm. have eight out of those 10 boxes before we do anything. So, you know, you might have to put on that coaching hat and really challenge and say, you know, I know you're not experienced that. I know you might not have been thinking about that, but hey, I need you to make a phone call and just really giving them kind of a nudge. And so that story is great and it's really relevant. So thanks for sharing that. And then thing. from your job of making $25,000 a year, which at the time is huge bucks. I, I happen exactly. to remember those days, the big, 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 big bucks. Um, but what kind of transpired on the way from that to where you are now? Because whether I work with like Olympians or business people, we always know that it's usually a circuitous route to success. Yeah. A lot, not just circuitous, but sometimes it feels like it's, you know, two steps back for one step forward. So can you share a little bit of the twists and turns that you took? Sure, sure. I, you know, I mean, I, I made a lot of mistakes and um, I, and it took me a while. Like I'm a, in, in writing software, we learn how to iterate, right? You, you have your first version of something, you test it out and then does it work and you iterate. And so I was iterating on my career for a while, right? Just figuring things out. Like um, at first I was very much a fish out of water as a young 20 something at a big aerospace company for my first job that paid $28,000 a year. Um, and, and so uh, I really had to just learn how to adapt, right? How, what, what are the expectations of, 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 a, of a young engineer? How do I make sure that I'm meeting those expectations? And it took me a while to figure it out. Um, and then, uh, but then as I did figure it out, then it was like, well, what do people who 
make a doing how do people who do this make a lot more money and that and so then it, someone told me oh you go and you be a contract engineer where you you're willing to take the risk of shorter assignments but you make more money in the in the short term and so i was like okay and so i went to do that and i bounced around between a few uh uh aerospace companies and then they kept having this oppressive culture and i and so then i asked the next question was hey if this is what we do and we're contract employees what's the absolute best place to work and do this kind of work? And everyone kept pointing me to the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, uh, a division of NASA saying they have a great culture. They hire contractors for a really long time that you could be there for years and years and years that they at that time they had to hire one third of their workforce needed to be this contract type labor. And so I was like, huh? So I just started working my way until I finally got a job at, at JPL. And I ended up staying at Jet Propulsion Laboratory for seven years and the last almost seven years, the last three of which I worked on a mission called Mars Pathfinder, which was the first uh, spacecraft to land on Mars since the Voyager missions in the 70s. And we put the first rover on Mars. So now we just recently had this big Martian landing and we're getting all kinds of great pictures from from Mars. Well, Pathfinder was the first one to do that. Um, uh, with putting the rover and getting these real time pictures back. So back in uh, the late nineties. And so that was a, a big uh, part of my career. And then after that, I learned so much on the Pathfinder mission where we were a really lean team and there, I had the opportunity to wear a lot of different hats. And, um, and so there was just this sense of empowerment that if you're good at something, they'll trust you with more. If you're good at that, then they'll trust you with even more. And so I have just managed to parlay that into bigger and better jobs ever since, eventually ending up at Microsoft and um, and just loving it here. I've been at Microsoft over 15 years. So Yeah, so I want to pull something out. And also Robin's chiming in that that was a great story. So and I wanted to add too, and thanks for hopping on, Robin, and everyone else who's posting some really nice comments. But we are live. If you are watching this live, be sure to post your questions for Cindy. And also, even if you're watching the recording, because then she'll probably, you tag her, she'll see these questions as well. Now, I want to pull, extract something else out that you said that's super important. You know, the first thing that you said is really raise your level of awareness and seek out and really find people that have talent in things or that have passion for things that they might not even recognize themselves and be very mm -hmm. proactive that way. And I really also want to honor your ability to just figuring it out and going for it because you're like, hmm, I like to make some more money. I like to have a bigger impact. How does that work? And you just ask a few people and they're like, you need to go do this. And just your willingness to step into the unknown has is really a trait of an amazing high performer. Yeah. And it um, has really served your served you well, and you're really kind of walking walking the talk, mm -hmm. so to speak. So thanks for for really sharing that. And then I know that you are really passionate about the you know diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it's very relevant to the job that you do in your division at Microsoft. So. Can you talk a little bit about how Microsoft's really putting, you know, as we were talking about putting their money where their mouth is and really um, bringing this to life and really leading into their, um, you know, integrity that they've committed to? 
Yeah, I mean, integrity being one of our core values and, uh, you know, I think the the diversity, equity, inclusion just fits right in with that, right? That they have provided um, training for every employee, where, whether we're talking about allyship or covering or um, flexibility and just really, or empathy, just really trying to help us build those muscles. And then also really setting the expectation that especially as leaders, we are supposed to be exercising those muscles, right? And that um, there is, there's just no room for kind of this old school thinking of, um, uh, of not being empathetic to your employees, not trying to meet them where they are, not understanding some of the challenges, especially right now, the challenges that people have as a whole person, not just as an employee. And so uh, that's been a really exciting thing to be a part of. And then how our technology can really help with that, right? Uh, in terms of being able to be virtual and things like that. And then um, the, like I said, there, in terms of just setting expectations with leaders and um, role modeling, I mean, incredible role modeling. And so it's just, it's not just lip service, it's really, um, it's really grown to be part of the culture and and working at a place where you you feel like you can be your whole authentic self, trying to bring that out in others and and talk about hey what is best for them as a person and as a individual and what is their vision for their careers and then how do you map opportunities to that or maybe like you were saying before too it's like how do you connect them with the right people that can help them further that I look at that as my job is to is to really help shepherd people's careers versus just get the work that I need done out of them today. And I, I think that is how Microsoft is approaching it. We have this, um, you know, instead of being managers, we're called to be coaches. And when you really put that coach hat on, you you can see a bigger picture for each individual and help them see it too. Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up. And I think you know this since you have studied to be a coach as well. But for anyone that is not, isn't certified as a coach, part of being a coach, it's not just being a cheerleader. That is part of it. Mm -hmm. But there is um, part of it involved to be a really, really good coach is to challenge. And a lot of times you might see things in people that they may not see in themselves. And you might push them because we all know that life begins outside of our comfort zone, but we are humans. Mm -hmm and creatures of comfort, right? So a lot of times, even though we might want something, if it's uncomfortable, we're either not gonna exist outside our comfort zone or we might put a toe out and come back in and say, it's not for me right. enough, someone else is better qualified or what mm -hmm. have you. So sometimes not just identifying people, but really pushing them, you know, even mm -hmm. when they even be a little scared or at least sending the invitation. Now, there might be some people that just they're comfortable for whatever reason they want to stay where they're at, which is totally fine. And we got to yes. respect that, too. But just opening people's minds and awareness to that challenge part. Now, a lot of what I like to do sometimes is just say, let's just plant a seed. Let's just plant a seed of this idea, this thought, this bigger than you can imagine. It's like, and we'll come back to it next time we talk. But it don't... Um, don't allow the immediate no to happen. It's like, I'm just planting a seed. Let's let's see what happens the next time. And that's perfect. And I think if you combine that with one other little simple thing that I like to do with people, and 
a lot of times if you plant a seed, people might come back. They might come back and say, well, what if this and what if that? What if I'm not ready? What if I go for that promotion? I'm not, it's a lot of what ifs, which are a mental projection of the future, right? That right. And so instead of what if, just change it to imagine if. So if you can plant the seed and just say, you know, imagine if, you know, just leave it there because that sends mm-hmm. them up into a positive trajectory rather than catastrophizing about what might happen. And so, exactly. and so of course we have to talk about mindset just because so we can, we can intersect, you know, my world and your world and what mindset has allowed you to go from, you know, your first job and probably honestly, I would imagine the first time you came home and said, guess what, mom and dad, I'm going to a four-year college. They were like, you know, wait, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, um, what brought you from there to working at JPL to now being at Microsoft? I mean, what mindset has really helped you persevere and be resilient? So I, I think um, to, to exactly what you were talking about, my number one mindset tool is envisioning success. And so it, whether it's seeing Mary Tyler Moore and envisioning myself in an office like that or having my own apartment, you know, uh, and being able to uh, be independent or um, envisioning uh, like envisioning a really successful project and really taking the time to meditate on it and go and and like go there in my mind, go, what is it like? Who else is there? You know, maybe we're celebrating the big win that just happened. It's like, what, you know, what all happened? Why are we there celebrating it? And, and just really taking it to the successful place first. And that unlocks so many ideas, unlocks so much potential for me, and then come back and figure out some of the how and the, and the hurdles that I'm going to have to jump over, but to, to really go and, and I know athletes do this, right? Is 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 go see yourself having the win, and then do a work back schedule from there. And um, and so that's uh, that's been huge for me. One of one of my favorite stories about that is, um, like I said on Mars Pathfinder, I got to wear we all got to wear a lot of hats. We were a really lean team of just about 250 people on this. A $200 million mission, which was peanuts in the space business at the time. Right. And, um, and I was, my main job was writing software, writing simulation software. I also got to write some other um, flight software for uplinking uh, new code and uplinking commands and things. But the, the hat that I wanted to wear that I was not a part of necessarily, I was on the bubble was to be a part of this launch team that would go travel with the spacecraft to Cape Kennedy, put it together and do the final testing and be there for the launch. And it was, it was an opportunity to go live in South or give, go live in Florida for a couple of months while this whole process take would take place. And all my Pathfinder best buddies were going. And it's like, I needed to get on that list of people that was going and I could just see myself in Florida soaking up the sun and having this great time with all my besties at the same time um, launching our spacecraft like I needed to be there and so I just I had my mindset on that on me being there and so when one of my coworkers uh, let me know that he just shared with me he was complaining that he was he was on the list and he didn't want to go um, because his wife was about to have a baby and it, like literally like at that exact time. And so it was a couple months ahead of time. 
and he was our Unix system administrator, which was not my job. And but I said, you could train me how to be a junior Unix system administrator and I'll go in your place. And that that kind of with my simulation job will make a whole job and will get me on the list. And he was like, sounds good to me. And so we sold it to management. And the next thing you know, I'm in Florida. And uh, and so I just feel like I was able to make make that happen by having a vision. And um, and then a fun, fun story that I, so this is one of the things that I always tell in my in my keynotes is, you know, I so I got to go and be the Unix system administrator. And once I put the computers together and did some other things, I pretty had it. I had pretty much a cush job the whole time I was in Florida. But on the night of the launch, I was a little bit late getting to our outpost building where we were going to do the launch. Um, because my buddy Becky and I had stopped to take a selfie with the rocket. So we were like 20 minutes late and we get there and everyone's, everyone's waiting for, hmm? I was just going to pause you for a second and say, not everybody gets to take a selfie with the rocket, but go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we get there and everyone's giving me the stink eye like I'm late. And it's like, what's the big deal? You know, I'm just the Unix system administrator. What is the big deal? And we had no communications back to JPL. Everything was dead in the water and there was people were freaking out that you know this needed to be fixed and it was a job for the unix system administrator so talk about imposter syndrome and not feeling good enough is like i literally was hanging on by a thread as the unix system administrator but i did have training and i had notebooks so i looked at my notebooks and the first thing that the guy ron had trained me was like check and make sure everything is plugged in and all the cables are, are real nice and tight and so I, with all the eyes on me, I was crawling around behind computers and under machines and under desks and just making sure that all the connections were tight. And thank goodness, by the time I got to the corner and our Cisco router, that thing had come loose and I jiggled it back in and everything was connected again. And so I got to be a hero in this job that I was barely qualified for, you know? And so we, we were able to go on and be successful. And um, I just, I love that example as something like talk about being out of your comfort zone and volunteering for things, even if I don't know what exactly what I'm doing. Um, and then just making sure that when the time does get tough or when you when you hit those obstacles, go back to the training, like don't freak out, go back to the training and, and read your instructions and, and make it happen. Yeah, so that is an incredible story. And I want to point out actually what happens, like what physiologically speaking that does and why it's so important for people to do what you're talking about. When you were thinking and visualizing yourself in Florida, it broadens your horizon. So if you want to compare yourself, think of it this way. If in whoever's listening, if you are walking through a field, so Cindy, if you were walking through a field and I said, Cindy, there are 50 different colors of flowers in this field and you said, no, there aren't, and you just stomped down and you were looking at your feet the whole time, you might see a couple different colors of flowers. But if you said, there could be, and I imagine that maybe there are, then it broadens your awareness to what could be. Mm -hmm. And then you start looking for flowers. Well, if there's 50, there must be some over there. There must be some over here. And it just broadens it. And that's exactly that what you did, because by you visualizing and being very vivid and visceral, about this experience that you were going to have, it made you hyper aware of opportunity because exactly you thought that there was no way in heck that this was ever going to happen. You do not even know anything about this program. 
then you it wouldn't have occurred to you when you were talking to a colleague when he was kind of maybe concerned about going you wouldn't have thought oh here's my chance it would you just like the flowers you would have walked on by so it is so very important to do this and honestly the default for most people is to catastrophize and be negative in other words i want to go oh, yeah. thing there's just no way i'm ever going to do it and what have you but by doing what you did, and I want people to really, really take note of that and to really think about things and um, make them as vivid and visceral as possible. You might have even been thinking about the sunshine on your face, what it sounded like, you know, when the rocket took off, like all of these different things. Oh, yeah. I could see myself living on the beach, partying with my friends and working really hard. And working. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, a little bit of work in there. But, That's um, amazing. Yeah, so that is fantastic. Well, is there one thing that you would like to leave everyone with? You have so many incredible stories. You've accomplished so many amazing things in your career and also your time at Microsoft. So what is the one thing that you like to leave people with besides hiring you for an amazing keynote? I want to leave okay. people with that. But besides that, what would you leave people with? Um, I, I really think this... Um this idea of catching people being good at something is really uh, is really a game changer that you can you're reinforcing with them what talents or skills they may have. Um, you're holding up a mirror to them and telling them that you appreciate that about them. And then for me, it also like just like you were saying, it unlocks opportunities where I can start matching an opportunity to to their talent or or coaching them on, hey, how might you grow this? Just like Helen recognized my mad change counting skills and changed my whole life. And she has no idea this even happened. Right. It's like we don't keep in touch. But I owe Helen this huge uh, debt of gratitude. And I, I try to pay it forward by catching people being good at things and then parlaying that into how can I now empower them based on what we we both know they're really good at? How do we stretch them even further? And, uh, you know, as women, it gives us an opportunity when we do that, it gives us an opportunity to go up against the stereotype that women don't support other women. And it, it, it just provides this opportunity for us to be a champion of people. Um, it, it enables us to adopt people like I adopt people all the time that it's like, hey, they don't even have to ask me if I'll be their mentor. It's like, hey, I'm I'm not letting you go until we find the right spot for you. A lot of times at Microsoft, but but until we you know, until we're able to match that potential with the right career opportunity or just growth opportunity that they're seeking. Um, so I'll adopt people like that. Uh, and I look I challenge other leaders to do that. Um, and then for if, if you're emerging leader too, I know hopefully a lot of younger people are listening to this or watching this is that it's a great way to create followership. You know, people want to be seen. It's a basic human part of our nature, right? Is we want to be seen, we want to be heard. And when you catch people, someone being good at something and you get really specific about it, like the change counting, right? It really um, makes people feel seen and, um, and valued. And then, uh, yeah, I think there's just a ton of opportunity in that. And it's instead of criticizing someone, what if you had to catch them being good at seven or eight things for every piece of uh, constructive feedback that you gave them and um, and really help people? We all have those feelings of not being good enough or that I'm in I'm the imposter and I'm about to be found out. But 
when people catch you being good at things, it just helps you rise above that that much faster. Yeah, and I think that is a huge point. And there was a little small thing, small but significant thing that you said, and that's specificity to be very specific. So it's not like, oh, you're doing an amazing job. It would be, right. you know, um, you know, it would be like I saw the way you connected with that person and you really made the customer feel like they mattered and that you cared about them or I don't know, something very, very specific. Exactly. Just like I like the way that you efficiently count the change. I mean, we kind of I mean, you that sounds a little bit funny, but it's really not. And that specificity can really go a long way. So I didn't want that to go unnoticed. Great. So, Cindy Healy, uh, another congratulations. Microsoft is really lucky to have you. You're a great role model. Thank you. Keep sharing your story as well with all of your speaking. And I look forward to continuing to follow you. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for talking. Yeah, of course.